Good morning, Boker Tov, and welcome back to our weekly Living with Amuna. Essentially, our support group, our gathering, to remind ourselves what should be obvious and known by now, which is that there's a Creator, that there's a God, that we have a Father in Heaven who loves us, that He is involved and invested in our lives each and every day, that we should be grateful to Him, talk to Him, cling to Him, connect with Him, ask Him, and feel the support of Him. I want to thank our generous sponsors for the year, Drs. Avi and Bella Morgan, in memory of Rabbi Dr. Brian Galbett, and in memory of Bella's mother, Dr. Ellen Shanzer, thank you so much for your generosity. Thank you for your sponsorship. It is so deeply and profoundly appreciated. As you know, this week we are running a campaign, non-BRS members who enjoy our classes, our writings, our posts, our panels, our programs, our conversations, to please give back, to show that support, that participation. Be part of an online global community of learners. We need your help. We need your support in order to be able to continue to do what we do, in order to continue to be able to expand it and provide it and inspire others. And so very, very simply put, if you enjoy this class, please show it. If you enjoy the class, go to brsonline.org slash global, brsonline.org slash global. If you're watching on the campaign page, you can hit donate during the class. It won't take you away from the class. If not, after we're done learning, please go on brsonline.org slash global in honor, in memory, in tribute, anonymously with your name. Do your part and show your appreciation for the benefit that you get, if any, which I assume you get, otherwise you won't be back here this morning. If you're coming back, hopefully, it's because it's meaning it's doing something for you. Okay, we go back to our learning. We are learning Rav Shemayim Morgenstern's wonderful Sefer, Bayam Derachecha, and we're learning about Dveikos, the quality of clinging and sticking and attaching ourselves to Hashem. That is what we're trying to do, attach ourselves, to realize that not wandering in this world on our own, we're not trying to make sense of it or figure it out. It's not random or chance. Everything is by design. Because Baruch Hu, the Almighty is pulling the strings. Everything, there's meaning and there's order. And therefore, why worry? Why panic? Why fear? I was talking to uh, people who are scheduled to get their second vaccine on Monday. But all weekend, there was some nervous, nervousness. What if I get a cold? What if I get sick? What if something happens? What if they run out? And I said, what's with, what if, what's with all the what ifs? How is that going to change the outcome? All the concern, all the fear, all the anxiety, all the worry, will that influence the outcome? If there was something you could do about it, if there was something you can change, if it would actually impact an outcome, maybe I would understand why you'd waste the emotional energy and the physical energy and compromise your health to worry. But it doesn't change an outcome. It doesn't create or impact or influence any reality. So why waste the energy? Why compromise your health? Why not say, Hashem, if Hashem wants me to get this second vaccine, then it's going to work, then there won't be a problem with my getting it. Why not recognize, please God, I'll stay healthy and well and qualify, and they'll have ample supply. And it's just one example of so many in our lives in which we expend so much energy and we waste so much fear for things that never happen, that never come true. And even if they do, it's the way it was meant to be. It's by design. It's from Hashem. It is what is right. I want to share with you, you are avid listeners. I shouldn't just call it a listener because it's not a passive class. I gain and I learn from you. Each one of you that shares a story or an impact or an amuna thought, an amuna strength, it strengthens me. So I got a great email and it says the following. I want to share with you the following Amuna story. My wife asked me to take an important piece of mail downstairs to send out for her. We live in a condo building in LA and have an outgoing mail slot in the mail room. Right across from that is the monthly dues drop box. I went downstairs and was on my phone and not paying attention. I put the letter in the mail slot and realized it got stuck. I turned to push it all the way down and realized my mistake. I had put the letter in the dues drop box instead of the outgoing mail. 
Thank God I was easily able to pull the letter out since it was still only halfway in. I really felt in that moment that Hashem was looking out for me. I then went into the garbage to get into the garage, rather. I went into the garage to get into my car to go to work and pull the door. It didn't open and I realized my wife had borrowed my key early in the day and I didn't take it back. I had to go all the way back upstairs to get it. But thanks for listening to Emunah Shiram. I recognized that this too was the hand of Hashem. For whatever reason, He wanted and needed me to go back upstairs. I didn't get angry or impatient. I didn't blame anyone or anything else. I realized it was the way it was supposed to be. And the reason I love this story and the reason I thank the person who sent it in is it has both of the forms of Ashkacha Pratis. It is both of the examples of Emunah that we teach and preach and we try to live regularly. Namely, when things go right, to credit and recognize and stop and thank and acknowledge Hashem. Hashem, the thing could have fallen all the way down in the wrong mail slot and then I would have had to try to find someone to open it up to retrieve it. I would have paid my dues with some mail I was trying to send someone else. The mail would have never gotten to them. My dues would have never been paid. And look, Hashem, you made the mail get stuck and even though that would have otherwise been annoying, it was exactly what was right and it was perfect for me. Getting stuck is exactly what I needed. So Hashem, I feel your presence. Thank you. But also equally, there was something annoying that happened. And we don't just see and acknowledge and identify and thank Hashem when all goes right. We don't just thank Him when it turns out okay, when we can make sense of it. But we acknowledge and we see and we thank and we identify Hashem even when, I don't know why it had to work out that way. It was annoying. It was frustrating. And even that too was meant to be. So someone didn't give me back my key and I had to go all the way back upstairs and it took me a few more minutes and it took me a little bit more time. So he said, without the emuna, without the effort of Dveikus, without the mindfulness of trying to remember that there's a plan, there's a reason, everything that happens is for is by design, he would have gotten frustrated, would have lost his cool. His blood pressure would have risen, his pulse would have increased, his health would have declined, he would have encountered his wife and yelled at her, you didn't give me back the key, you never returned the key, when you don't replace the key, I had to come back upstairs and it made me late and it was so annoying, don't ever do that again. Instead, he took a deep breath and he said, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, Hashem intended me to go back upstairs before I left today. So I love that story. Another listener sent me a story last night about uh, Shizan Archever Kadisha, a wonderful, wonderful person and a beautiful volunteer for Archever Kadisha who was supposed to do a tahara and last minute that tahara got canceled because a different Chaver Kadisha took on that tahara. But then she got called for another tahara and it turned out her friend who had told her about her sick mother um, uh, her mother, whose health was in decline, had passed away. And the tahara she was canceled from participating in, the next tahara she was able to do, because the first one was canceled, was for the mother of her friend, which was so meaningful to her. Everything is by design. If you just extend your antenna, and if you just pick up the signal, and you just live life looking around, you will feel and see Hashem everywhere. The question is not whether he's speaking to us and broadcasting to us. The only question is, are we picking up his signal? Do we thank him? Are we even frustrated but recognize it's from Him? Do we attach ourselves to Him? Do we, um, do we lean on Him? And do we express gratitude to Him? And do we even protest or object to Him when there are things that are not happening the way we want or the way we wish? And so that is the, the impact. The reason I share these stories is not just because people tune into Divrei Torah and to Shiram and Drushas for the stories, not for the Divrei Torah, unfortunately. But um, I share the stories because they are illustrations. They take the ideas that we're learning in abstract and theory conceptually. And when people are sharing, sharing in real life how practically it has enhanced their lives, hopefully it inspires you and me to execute and to put it into practice as well. Okay, we're on page Tzadhi Vav and Biyam in the wonderful Sefer of Ravitcha Meyer Morgenstern in which he is elaborating on Dveikus and how we can acquire it, how we can grow in it, how we can improve in it and how we can live it. Again, the goal, the aspiration of Dveikus 
is to constantly have an awareness of God. We spoke about last week, and frankly every week, just like I have an awareness if I'm a parent. Those who want to be parents should be blessed to have healthy children. If you are a parent, there is this awareness, either in the forefront of your mind or in the back of your mind, but there is a regular awareness that I'm a parent. Thinking about my child, I'm worried about my child. I said last week, you're only as happy as your least happy child. And one of my dear friends, one of our listeners, reminded me that that's not a good thing to say, especially if you have unhappy children, because then they feel guilty for compromising your happiness. So if children ever hear that you're only as happy as your least happy child, and they identify themselves as the least happy child, they'll blame themselves for you're not being happy, which maybe they should, but it's not a nice thing to do. So don't ever say that expression in front of your children. Don't ever say that expression in general. They, our children only make us happy ever. If you have children and they're healthy, you should be happy no matter what challenges they are presenting. So if you're a parent, you don't ever take a recess. You don't ever take a break you're never suspended from your identity as a parent. And the same is true in marriage, and the same is true as an Ever Hashem. If you're practicing Vekas and you're clinging to God, you're never on break, you're never on recess, you're never on vacation from that profile, from that identity, from that club. Even though it's not possible, that's what he's acknowledging here, Ravich Meyer. That it's not possible, It's not possible to never not be thinking about God. There are activities during our day. If you are supposed to be sitting opposite your spouse and having a meaningful conversation, and your spouse looks at you and says, Hello, are you there? This thing on? Hello, is anyone listening? And you say, Ooh, I was just in a moment of his bodidus. I'm so sorry. I was just meditating about God. I was thinking about how much I love him or how involved he is in my life or how much I want to cling to him. So your spouse says, you can pay the bill and meet me in, at home because I'm out of here. You want to be on a date with God or you want to be out to coffee with me? You got a choice. So there are activities that we do. If you're supposed to be doing an activity that takes concentration, so the surgeon in the operating room can imagine the nurse or the assistant says, uh, doctor, you okay? And the doctor says, as they're operating with the scalpel of the robot, yes, it's just at this moment I feel overwhelmed by God is the rofe cholim in the sitter snippets. We're up to the statement. He's bore refuos. He is the creator of all healing. And in the inventor and the entrepreneur of all medical progress and discovery. We spoke about it last night in sitter snippets. Such a beautiful, beautiful statement and description. The bore refuos. He is the So the doctor in the middle of surgery, the mind is wandering because he's the bore refuos. And the nurse or the assistant or the patient will sit up on the operating table and say, hey doc, would you mind thinking about God later and concentrate on what we're doing here. So there are things that we're doing during the day. It could be surgery, could be a conversation, it could be the pilot flying the plane. Don't go on autopilot and talk to God. There are things that need your attention. Nobly need your attention. They they uh, deserve your attention. They're dangerous without your attention. Only a truly righteous, perfect person, of which there are none, could really be thinking about God 24-7, every moment, every day, all of life. But it doesn't mean that we can't all try. Surely we have to interrupt. There are going to be activities, and there are going to be moments in our lives where we need to, in a very justified way, interrupt our mindfulness in that moment of concentrating most directly and focused on God. But that doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that it's something we can't aspire for. It doesn't mean it's something we can't be trying to ambitiously achieve. There should not be any meaningful activity during your day in which you have not thought about Hashem. This is a theme we come back to over and over and over again. And I'm so sorry to keep coming back to these themes, but that's what every recovery meeting is about. And this is a, this is a meeting 
we are addicted to forgetting God and we are trying to work on that addiction about forgetting God. And if you've ever been to a recovery meeting, you know it follows the same formula and you recite the same statements and that's what gives the chizik, that's what gives the strength in order to be able to make those changes. So every activity we do should be accompanied by a momentary mindfulness meditation about God and a prayer and a davening to him, for him, on the way into that operating room, on the way into that courtroom, on the way into that kitchen or the gym or the supermarket, on the way into the parent-teacher conference, on the way into whatever activity, say, Hashem, come with me, come in the room with me, be with me, assist me, or feel the pain with me. Let's say there's a parent-teacher conference. Are you allowed to say this? I don't want to uh, hurt or be insensitive to the children who don't have positive parent-teacher conferences. But there's no such thing today. Yochevet says all the time, when we were kids... We would shiver the night of parent-teacher conferences. We were so afraid for our parents to come home afterwards. Now, teachers shake the night of parent-teacher conferences. The teachers are so worried about the parents, they're going to come in and blame the teacher, everything they're doing wrong, why my student isn't thriving and everything that could be better. So you say, Hashem, this is your kid too. Come into the room. New, let's get a report from the teacher. Hopefully a lot of nachas, maybe some challenges. But do you pause on the way into parent-teacher conferences and say, Hashem, this is your kid too. Come into the room with me. So is Hashem invited and involved in every conversation, activity, effort that we have. Before the Amunashir, before the BRS Online global campaign, in which we have named a goal and we're only a quarter of the way through, because unfortunately there are people who benefit, listen, learn, and love, and have not yet, they will, I'm confident, but they've not yet expressed it to us in a tangible, meaningful way. So I say, Hashem, I've been dominating a lot for this campaign, partially because this money would help us teach a lot of Torah, and in all honesty, partially because I'm competitive and I don't like to fail at a project or a goal that we set. So uh, it's been very hard for me. So I dive into Hashem, Hashem, this money is to help spread your message. This money is to help inspire others with your vision and blueprint for your world. Help us, Hashem. Help us. You're one of the ambassadors, Hashem. You need to show us the money. Make it rain. BRSonline.org slash global. Whatever we're doing, we have to we have to involve him, invite him, invest in him, and ask him to be able to help us achieve our, our goal in whatever it is we're doing. I'll never forget sitting with a pastor, an evangelical pastor, and we were planning an effort. We were very concerned about something having to do with Israel. And it was a work we were collaborating on, uh, meeting with an elected leader and some other things on this, on this uh, campaign. And we were unsure exactly what to do, and the evangelical leader stopped and he said, Rabbi, let's take a moment and pray on it. Let's think about it. Let's pray on it and let's ask God to give us the wisdom and the insight to know what to do. And I remember kind of like looking around like, excuse me, let's pray on it? I daven shacharis, and minchas not for a couple hours. So right now I'm at work. Praying is what I do in the morning, and then I'll come back to it at Mincha, but right now we're in a meeting, and we don't pray in the middle of meetings. And he taught me such an important lesson. We should pray in the middle and before and after every meeting. Right? This is an apolitical shear, so we're making no comment on impeachment hearings, but we'll make a comment on Trump's observant lawyer who lit up the internet yesterday because in the middle of Senate, where whatever he, he made the decision not to wear his yarmulke, he normally wears a yarmulke, but he had to take a sip of water. And if you saw, he put his hand over his head and he took a sip of water and Twitter trended and lit up wondering, does Trump lawyer's feel that his head is going to fall off if he doesn't hold it while he drinks. People didn't understand why was he holding his head while he drinks? Is his head going to fall off? And the answer is, you know what he was doing? Even in the middle of one of the most high-profile court cases of all time, he instinctively or hopefully mindfully said, I'm going to take a sip of water. I've got to thank God. He had to make a bracha. He had to wear a yarmulke. It was fascinating. 
major networks, all talking about the Jewish practice of covering your head when you make a blessing. Fascinating. Again, leave out the purpose of the trial, leave out the politics of it, but simply the image or the conversation that's happening around the United States about the notion of a yarmulke or of making a blessing. So we do pray all the time in the middle of our day, each and every time we eat something, each and every time we come out of the bathroom, when we do a mitzvah during the day, if you take challah in your kitchen, and so on and so forth. But that idea that we were frustrated by something and we're trying to make a decision and we said, let's pray on it. And I learned something. This evangelical preacher had no hesitation, unapologetically was ready to not only express his faith, but to practice it. But to say, he was practicing dveikas. He gave me a lesson on dveikas. You don't just talk to God at Shacharis and again at Mincha. You talk to God when you run into a challenge. You talk to God when you're running late to the meeting, when you're stuck in traffic. You talk to God when your Wi-Fi is breaking down and you're interviewing someone who is a candidate for Prime Minister of Israel. You talk to God when... You're running late. You're not sure you've prepared for the shear adequately. You talk to God when you're trying to figure out how to work on advocacy for Israel and you don't know the next move, so you stop and you pray on it. Imagine if we told our children, let's daven on it. Let's daven on it. We don't know what to do for winter break. We don't know what's going to happen with this pandemic and Pesach and the ability to see our grandparents. Let's daven. Let's take a moment. Everyone stop. Close your eyes. And let's ask Hashem. Let's daven on it. Imagine the impact of that fakus, of that practice of living with faith in that moment. That davening is not relegated to the sitter or davening times, but davening is, as we've said many, many times, the bells are insight. Halavai shiyispalu kol kulo. Halavai we would daven the whole day. Not from a sitter to Tehillim, not being shul, but halavai we would daven the whole day means that whatever activity we're doing, it would be preceded by our, our asking Hashem for help. Let the kugel come out. Let the trial come out. Let the operation come out. Let the Dvar Torah come out. Let whatever it is we're working on come out successfully. Just like every meal I have, I have to invite Hashem to be a guest at that table. Even for a moment. Even the way I begin the meal, I make a bracha. Okay, everybody. Now we can talk. Now we can schmooze. Tell me about your day. Tell me about school. Tell me what's happening in your life. But first we invited Hashem. Come. Pull up a seat at the table. Baruch HaTashon Al-Kerem HaCholam, Bari Priyart. Baruch Hashem Shahakol. Hopefully you're having steak for dinner, so you made a good Shahakol. Stay away from the carbs all week long, so there's no Hamotzi. But a good steak, a good Shahakol. You can have the most satisfying meal with a Shahakol and a Bore Nefashos. Steak and grilled onions and delicious diet peach snapple. Shahakol and a Bore Nefashos. Your full protein Good way to go. You don't know you get that diet and health tips from the living with a munashir too. So you invite God to the table. You make this bracha and you say, God, no, come pull up a seat. You're part of the family. Come. We're about to go around. Everyone's going to talk about their day. We're going to talk about the news. We're going to talk about the stock market or sports or the Super Bowl. We're going to talk about whatever we're going to talk about. Come, pull up a seat. Come, pull up a seat. So at least once during the meal, you're inviting him to pull up a seat. And that's called the bracha. That's called the bracha. When we sit down at the dinner table and my children are already on their third bite, and I say, what are you doing? I say, what are you talking about? I say, I wanted the amen. You made a bracha. I know you made a bracha. I have faith you made the bracha. But you swallowed the bracha as quickly as you swallowed the pasta. I wanted to be able to answer the amen. Say it out loud. Imagine if the meal would begin with people saying their bracha out loud. And the bracha is essentially an invitation. Hashem, you're in my life. Come, pull up a chair. Join us for dinner. By the way, we're not going to gossip or talk about the rabbi or the principal or the teacher if God's sitting at the table. Could you imagine if you had the tzaddikis or the tzaddik, if you had the Talmud Chacham or the Rosh Hashiva, the Rebbetzin sitting at the table, are you really going to then talk about the friend or share that juicy gossip? So it also helps 
if you invite God to the table, you'll be much more discerning and judicious in the type of things that we, that we talk about. But I'm not saying the whole meal, and Ravitcha Meyer is not saying the entire meal talk about God. That's not the meals we're going to have. The most righteous people in the world don't have such meals. And it's not realistic, and it's not what's real demanded of us. It's not what's right for us. We should connect with one another. We have to shoot the breeze on small talk. There's nothing small about small talk. It's very important to connect with others. However, at least once during the meal, we should invite him, acknowledge him. We take a moment. We acknowledge our guest here at our table. His name is God. He created us and he has expectations of us, and he gives us everything that we have, and we're so happy he's joined us for dinner, and for lunch, and for breakfast, and that he lives in our home. We're so happy because he pays for the whole home. He pays for everything in the home. So we're so happy he's here with us this evening. Thank you, God. Now you can go on with your meal. Now you can go on with dinner. Imagine every time you dive and every time you learn something, you say, God, we're going to now learn something more about your vision for your world, and we're going to try to be transformed and changed by it. But we have to place an emphasis. You have to go slowly, incrementally, carefully. Climb. If you walk into the gym, I think I gave this example last week. If you walk into the gym for the very first time in your life and you say, you know what? What's the heaviest weight you have? I'm going to bench press that. So you lie on the bench press table and you take the heaviest weight in the gym and they load it up on all sides and you say, I got it. I'm good. I'm naturally very strong. And now you try to bench press the heaviest weight in the table. You know what's going to happen? It will crush your ribs, collapse your lungs. You may not make it out of the gym alive. And spiritually, if you try to lift the heaviest thing and you're not ready, it will collapse your spiritual lungs. You won't be able to breathe and you may not spiritually make it out alive. Do not skip steps. Do not jump too quickly. Do not Go incrementally or strategically. You have to take your time, add on slowly, make designated times of the day. And that was the homework I gave you last week to decide when is it. In the car, are you going to think about God? Before you drive and say, Hashem, let me get to my destination. Let me be safe. Let me not get a ticket. Let everything go well. When is the moment? In the kitchen, before everything you cook. When is the moment that you're going to invite God and start adding Him to your life and your lifestyle? Not all at once, not all day, and not every day. But where are the slots that I'm going to add him so that I can incrementally more and more add and build up the weights and build up the weights? Okay, next section. O Zion in Dveikas. We continue. And in order to succeed in thinking about God and connecting to God, so a person has to allow their mind to wander. A person's mind has to have the capacity to feel multiple feelings. If you're so fixated and you're so zoned in and you're so in a mold that you can only think about or feel one thing, then you're not going to succeed because life is a roller coaster. There are ups and downs and life changes and feelings change. Because if you stick or hold to one thought, you will not be there for a long time. You need to be energized. You need to be alive. You need to be excited. You need things that are going to generate excitement in your relationship with Hashem. Renewal, new things that you're adding. I got a new sitter with a new layout of the davening. Or I have a new class that I listen to. Or I have a new practice that I do. Says Richard Meyer, you got to mix it up. So sometimes I focus on my sense of love of God. God is my Father in Heaven. And I feel His love. He loves me 
and I love him. Last Shabbos and Shul, I spoke about, we all have the enduring image of Harsinai, of receiving the Torah, last week's Parshish Yisrael, that Hashem held the mountain over our head, and He threatened us. Accept my Torah, and if not, I drop it on your head, and you all die. Sham take furaschem. But that's a very dramatic image. In one minion, I actually said, wake any Jewish child in the middle of the night and ask them, what was Harsinai like? And this little kid says, I know what it's like. I said, what was it like? And he said, he held the mountain over our head. And it wasn't even like I set him up for it. I didn't give the kid a candy. I didn't bribe him. But it was exactly it. And to me, that's very sad that all children think about religion as being hit over the head with it, threatened by it, ultimatum. Be religious, have a relationship with me. Otherwise, you're dead. You're gone. You're out. But there's an alternative medrash, and the Chilta de Rabbi Shmuel, it's not nearly as popular, and we don't teach it as often, and I'm not suggesting we don't teach the other one too. We need to teach our children and ourselves that there is accountability, responsibility, expectations. Absolutely. There's no, uh, this is not negotiable, and it's not an optional relationship we have with God. He has expectations of us. There are laws of Judaism. But there is a beautiful complementing medrash, the Chilta de Rabbi Shmuel, that says it was incredibly hot in the desert. We came into the desert after leaving Egypt, and it was unbearably, unbearably hot. History Channel had an episode trying to predict or trying to guess uh, how hot it must have been. Said it was minimally 120 degrees with intense high percentage of humidity. So you can imagine God looks down, he sees two to three million of his children baking in the sun, schwitzing and sweltering and passing out as they're waiting for this great Har Sinai Matan Torah experience to begin. And so says the Mechot de Rabbi Shmuel, you know what God did? He lifted up the mountain and he held it over their head and he said, No, come here, kids. Come get some shade. Come get some relief. Come, it's air conditioned. Come, there's some shade. Come find some safety and some refuge. Come find some comfort. Because religion is a place that you find comfort and refuge and safety. Does he have expectations of us? Absolutely. But you know, if you hold it over one's head, if you beat someone over the head, threaten over the head, you're going to drive them away. But if you say, come, you know, when the temperature is rising in your life and your temperature is rising out there, temperature is rising in politics and pandemic, temperature is rising in the threats to Israel and to Jews everywhere, anti-Semitism, when there's enough problems, when the temperature is rising from the world out there, Hashem says, no, come, open my sitter to Hillam. Come talk to me. Come, lie with me. Come, feel my support. Come to my shul or my base medrash. Come to my mitzvos. Harsinai is not just something to beat over the head. Harsinai is a place to find refuge and comfort and peace and serenity, to find relief in a world where the temperature is rising and threatening us. I mentioned in the drasha that I had a meeting last week in which someone shared with me, without criticism of the shul for having our rules of distancing and masks, in which we're very vigilant in demanding compliance, obviously, with the dangers of this of this virus. But he described that for him it's very hard to come back to shul because the negative associations he has when there's such supervision, we have our, our volunteer and professional security who walk around and make sure people's masks are over their nose and their mouth. And he said, for him, the trigger is such trauma. Because this individual shared with me and gave me permission then to share when I asked about the drusha, that when he was a child, if he was five minutes late to shul on Shabbos, his stepfather beat him and beat him so badly that twice on Shabbos he had to go to the hospital because of the beating he took for being late to shul. And so for him, he associates rules, supervision, demands about religion as beating. His stepfather took davening to Hashem and beat him over the head, literally, not figuratively. Many of us 
have been the victims or beat our children, figuratively, hopefully, only verbally or emotionally, about religion, but it's not the way to go. We have to lead such rich and inspired religious lives that they want to come onto the mountain. We have to show them that it's so hot out there. Why would you choose to stand in the heat? It's so hot out there. Like my in-laws who went back to New York and then sent pictures of three feet of snow. So why would you leave here? Did you see the sunrise menu we had on Friday? Do you know how magnificent they're on their way back? Don't worry. Do you see how beautiful it is? Why'd you leave? So we have to show our children and all around us, why are you standing in the heat? Why are you baking in the sun? Come, come, come under this mountain called Torah. Come under this mountain called Emunah. Come under the shade of our relationship with Hashem. There's such comfort, there's such relief. It doesn't mean that it's not hot. It doesn't mean all our problems go away. But Hashem wants us to come close to Him and connect with Him and cling to Him and fill the with Him because of the relief that it provides us, because of what it provides us. So sometimes it's going to be a feeling of Ava. Sometimes we're going to concentrate on a feeling of Ava. I love Hashem and He loves me. He loves me. This has been a hard year and everyone's doing their best. And we've had to adjust even our religious life and practices. Rabbis are getting together before every holiday and reimagining how do you make sure that every Jew wants to hear Megillah in your Megillah. I don't even want to start thinking about Pesach yet. Pesach we didn't have last year. Pesach kind of was on hold last year. Pesach people at Storm all by themselves. There was no davening. Shuls everywhere were shut down. We've had to reimagine religion. And so Hashem loves us. Yes, could we do better? Should we aspire for more? Should we push ourselves? A hundred percent. But this is a year we should know that Hashem loves us. And Hashem loves us. He's not beating us up with the mountain. He's holding it over our head to protect us from the sun or like an umbrella to protect us from the rain. He's lifted the mountain with the image not only of threatening us, but the image also of loving us and supporting us. So sometimes the moments are of Ava, but other times the moments are going to be of Yira. You can't cozy up too much. You can't get too close. You can't become too casual. Oh God, he's my best friend, so he doesn't care if I don't do what he says. Oh God, he's my best friend, so he doesn't mind that I took this week off from Shabbos or kosher or, or, or tzedakah or a gossip. He's my best friend. He doesn't care. No, he's not your best friend. He's God. Does he love you? 100%. But he's still God. He's the omnipotent creator of the universe who holds us accountable. There's a process of scharva, onish, reward and punishment. And we're accountable. We should be in awe of him. And also a healthy dose of fear of yiras onish with yiras haromamos. Upam is boni be'emunah. And sometimes you should just think about emuna. Wow, there's a creator. Wow, that's magnificent. Wow, I'm not here alone. Wow, he created the universe. So Ravitchmeyer says that we don't lock ourselves in or fixate to one thought or one emotion or one connection, but it fluctuates in different feelings, on different days, with different things going on in our lives. Things will inform or inspire the nature of that connection, the nature of that relationship, and we have to be able to adjust. If you're a kind of person who's such a creature of habit, you can't adjust. No, 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 I only have Ava. No, 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 I only can think about God in the paradigm of Yira then you're going to struggle. A person needs to be able to adjust and to be able to think about God in those, in those different ways. We'll pick up with it next week, but again, I ask you, I ask you, if you enjoy this class, our other classes, our writings, our posts, if you enjoy the values and the vision of BRS and you're not a member doing your part, then please show your gratitude. brsonline.org slash global, brsonline.org slash global. Please take a moment as well to subscribe to our YouTube channel and become notified of all of our shiurim panels, conversations, programs in real time. Such as tonight, 9 o'clock, we're going behind the bima with the candidate for prime minister, Naftali Bennett, who the news is all showing is the kingpin, is, the, is going to be the great influencer to determine how the coalition is going to line up in Israel's fourth election in two years. Naftali Bennett, 
a member of Knesset, former minister, defense minister. Uh, tonight, 9 p.m., we're going behind the bima with him. You don't want to miss it. I promise you it's an incredible, it will be an incredible conversation. 9 p.m., behind the bima. Do your part, brsonline.org slash global. Looking forward to seeing you all next time. Until then, stay happy, stay healthy, and stay holy.